Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org, for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Good morning. We want to remind you that next week will be our Black History Month celebration. So we are looking forward to gathering together to be able to celebrate where God has brought us from. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask if you would turn your attention to 2 Peter chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading with verse number 5. Verse number 5. Today I want to talk about the dangers of drifting. The dangers of drifting. If we're going to move forward together, then we can't just drift along. Amen? In 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 5, my Bible says, In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that leaves us instructions on how we ought to live our everyday lives. We ask, Lord, that I would decrease, that you may increase, that all anybody might see today is Jesus. Use this as an opportunity, Lord, to grow us in the faith. Help us to exercise, Lord, and use the spiritual disciplines that you've given us in order to be able to grow properly so that we can no longer be infants in Christ, but be mature as believers in the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that you'll do today. Allow us to sense your presence in this service. Meet us here on this day. We ask that you do all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The dangers of drifting. Early believers were in danger of drifting away from the faith. They had heard the words of the gospel, but they had not taken hold yet in their lives. Even today, people raised in believing families and churches risk 
being carried away or drifting away from God. They hear the words, they more or less agree, but they have a hearing faith only and not an acting faith that leaves them insufficient to be a disciple of Christ. Without application, there is no transformation. Oh, I'm going to say that for you one more time. Without application, applying the word of God to our lives, rehearsing it in our lives, there will be no change. One cannot just drift along in life. Not only will you hinder yourself, but you'll hinder the other people that you are connected with. Because when you drift, you get in the way of others' progress. Moving forward together means that we have to stay in formation if we're all to arrive in heaven. So let's take a look at what the Bible says about the dangers of drifting. The dangers of drifting. In 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 5, the Bible starts out and Peter lets us know, he says, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. He's talking about us spiritually growing. Uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes said, I find great things in this world, not so much in where we stand, but as in what direction we are moving. To reach the port of heaven, sometimes we have to sail with the wind, and sometimes we have to sail against the wind. But we must sail, not drift. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It's a manual transmission in a car, amen? You, you got to start off in first gear. And then you get some momentum and then you shift down into second gear. And then you get a little bit more speed and you move into third gear. So spiritual growth is a process. It has steps and it requires our cooperation with God and the application of conscious hard work, and consistency. Oh, I'm going to say that one more time. It requires cooperation, us working together with the Holy Spirit, being conscious of the things that we need to work on, and then doing them over and over and over again to be consistent in our lives. Philippians 2.12 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Number one, if you're going to grow spiritually, it has to be conscious. It means that we are aware of areas in our lives that we have to work on, and we make a plan to address them. We have to be aware of things that we need to improve on as believers. But not only do we have to be aware of it, we've got to put in the hard work and effort to work at it, and we've got to continue to do it over and over and over again until it becomes part of who we are. 
We do it to the point where we can identify each other by the attributes that God has already been developing and disciplining us in our lives. It's not enough for the believer just to say, let go and let God. Amen. <laughs> amen. I love the song, amen, but, but, but that doesn't help you to grow. See, see, because when you say you have to let go and let God, that means that God does all the work and you don't do anything. Amen? That's not how it works as a believer. But Paul, I mean, Peter wrote to us, make every effort to make sure the promises of God are available in your life. In other words, what we've got to do is we've got to respond to the revealed truth that God has already given to us. When I say revealed truth, that means the things that you already are aware of and know that you have to work on. Amen? Amen. It, it doesn't take a doctorate degree in order to be able to understand what God is asking you to do. God has already made it plain. God has already made it clear. Areas of our lives we need to work on, we just got to get to working. Amen? Amen. And, and it's important for us to understand that we have to feed our, our mind with the words of God. The more we feed our mind with the words of God, the more our thoughts will be like God. And when our thoughts are like God, our attitudes will be like God. And when our attitudes are like God, our speech will be like God. And when our speech is like God, our actions will be like God. And when our actions are like God, then our behavior will be like God. And when our behavior is like God, then our habits will be like God. That's a lot of work, amen? And so it's important for us to understand that we have to develop these qualities in our lives that are outlined in this first part of Scripture that Peter is saying to us, we've got to work on it. We've got to work on our virtue or our moral excellence. Uh, how many people uh, hate the weight? Amen. God says that sometimes you got to wait. See, I'm making you wait, and it's bothering you right now. Amen. <laughs> see, see, we got to learn how to wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, shall mount up on wings like eagles. They should run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so what I like about this scripture is, what, what God does is, while we're working on one area of our lives, God is working on other areas of our lives to improve us to be more like him. Oh, I don't think that you're with me. Amen. See, when we wait on God, that means that we are working on trying to do what's right. And so we got to get our mind set up. And so when we're working on these things, God moves us to a point of gaining more knowledge because we got to read more about it so that we can be more effective in it. And then when God has the way of wisdom knowledge, then he has to give us some self-control because we got to sit there long enough to be able to read it in order to gain it. Amen. And then we've got to learn how to be patient while we're waiting. And the patience is growing as we're putting in the effort of God bringing it about in our lives. And the more we apply it to our lives, the more godly we become. And the more godly we become, we have an appreciation for our brothers and sisters in Christ because we know that we're all on the same journey together. And while he's building me, I can appreciate how God is building you. And it ends up as love. 
so that as this principle is working in our lives, when we put in the effort, God will work on the other side to bring about the change that we need. Because when you're working on one area of your lives, they're all connected together. And when you start on the right place, you'll end up in the right finish line when you get to where God is taking you because God is at work in your life. God's got to change your mind first. Because when God changes your mind, he changes your thoughts. And when he changes your thoughts, he'll change your attitude, how you see it. And then he'll change your attitude, and then you'll begin to speak a little bit differently because your attitude has changed. It won't be negative anymore. It'll be more positive like God has prescribed it. And not only will it change your speech, but it'll change your actions because what you say about yourself is a reflection of who you are and how you act around other people. And then your actions will change because as a result of you doing it, it now becomes a behavior. And once it becomes a behavior, if you practice it long enough, it'll become a habit. And you won't even realize the change that God has occurred in your life until somebody else comes and says, you know what, I see you growing in that area of your life. God requires us to change. We've got to be able to grow spiritually and not just drift. He says to us in Hebrews chapter number two, verse number one, we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away. In Hebrews chapter number three, verse number 12, the Bible says, be very careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day. And even today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and harden your heart against God. In Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 23, the Bible says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing nigh. So when we read the scriptures, he demands that we have to make every effort to grow. And then Peter transitions and he says, now the more you grow like this, in verse number eight, the more productive and useful you will be with your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from the old sin. He says, in order to grow, you've got to exercise. You've got to put these into practice. You've got to apply what you know to your life so that it becomes part of who you are. Now, I'm going to ask if you would take the time this morning, if you have your Bible, to go to Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 21, because now comes the part of the sermon where we have to exercise. We've got to put into practice what the Word of God says to us. In Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 21, We have the Apostle Paul here speaking to the church at Ephesus, and 
he is sharing with them how change can take place in your life. The things that we need to add to our lives, the things that we need to practice and do so that others can see Christ in us. In verse number 21, the Bible says, since you have heard about Christ and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. I want you to notice that Paul gives us an admonition of something that we have to do. It's not something that God does on our own, but, but we've got to be aware of things that are not like God, and we have to put in the exercise and the practice to take off our old way of living. And not only do we have to take it off, but then we got to put on the new way of living. So it says, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Well, Paul, how do we, we do that? I'm not quite sure. Well, he says in verse number 25, stop lying to one another. He doesn't say that you get into a 20-step program on how to stop lying. He just says, just stop it. Amen. Just cut it out. Place in your mind that now you're going to tell the truth to your brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, because we are all a part of the same body. And he's referring to the fact that since we are all connected, when you lie to one another, you hurt yourself. Not only do you hurt the people that you are telling an untruth to, but because we are all connected, it's going to come back and affect you because you're participating in something that's not going to be productive. Then he goes on and says, and, and don't let sin, anger control you. How many of you are angry because of something happened yesterday? God says, let it go. Amen. How many of you are angry of something that happened last week? Still carrying it around. How many of you are angry of something that happened last month? How many of you are angry of something that happened last year? How many of you are holding on to things that should have been let go a long time ago? God says, you got to let those things go. It said, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath while you are still angry. He gives us a time frame. Amen. He tells you, you got 24 hours to get this thing right. He said, for the anger gives a foothold to the devil. How many people know that the devil wants more than just a foothold? Amen. It's important for us to understand that when we do what God calls us to do, we are under God's protection. But as soon as you step outside the boundary lines that God has given to you, it gives the opportunity for the devil to grab hold of you. And that's all he wants for you to step out long enough so he can get close enough to be able to grab you. See, he can't grab you right now. Amen because you're in a place that God is keeping you. But when you step outside of what God has called you to do, he keeps saying, just come a little bit closer so I can get my hands on you. Because if I can get my hands on you, I can pull you away from what God has required you to do. Verse number 28 says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. He says, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Instead of taking stuff that don't belong to you, 
turn that around and now use your hands and your createdness and your clever way of being able to take things without people knowing and use it, put it to good hard work, and instead of taking from people, give to people. He's telling us how to exercise so that we get better in these areas so that we can represent Christ in the right way. He goes on to say, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say. He didn't say something. He said, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear him. He said, we got to be careful about the things that we say. Because the things that we say are really a reflection of what's really going on on the inside. And it reveals to people where you're at on any given issue when you begin to speak things out of your mouth. And God says, make sure the things that you speak out of your mouth are encouraging. Make sure the things that you speak out of your mouth are good and helpful for others that they might hear it. Now, this is spiritual exercise. Amen. I realize it takes some work. I realize it takes some effort, but we'll be better for it. Then he goes on to say, and don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit in the way in which you live. What he's saying to us here is, when you participate in sin, you force God, the Holy Spirit inside you, to participate with you. Every time we make that choice, every time we make that decision to do something that we know is outside of God's will, we are forcing God's Holy Spirit to participate, and it grieves the Holy Spirit within us. He said, always remember that you have been identified as his own, guaranteeing that you are saved on the day of redemption. So we've got to exercise. We've got to put it into practice. But Peter goes on to finally say we've got to get to a place of maturity. Verse 10 says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's talking about being mature. He's talking about growing from infancy to adulthood. He's talking about being in a place where you can discern and make judgment calls in any given situation on what the right thing to do and then have the ability to do it. That's called maturity. When I think about my life, and I thought about being mature. I, I took me back to a place when I was working as an engineer, project engineer in an engineering firm in Philadelphia. I had 55 employees that were working in a shop that was about four times the size of this room. I had five floor supervisors and 10 people on each bench. And we had 26 projects that we had to be able to deliver on time and under budget. And I remember a particular time when there was a, one of my floor supervisors would end up missing at certain points 
throughout the month. And I noticed that there was this man that always would come in and try to entertain her and pull her away from making sure that everybody was getting their job done. I knew this individual because not only was he trying to entertain her, but he was trying to entertain several other ladies in the department as well. And because it was affecting her work and her job and she was missing time and missing day, I took the opportunity to have lunch with her one day and I shared with her that this does not look good for you to be missing work. You're, you're getting paid to do a job and I can't vouch for you as one of my workers if you're not there. And it's important that you make decisions that you are here and that you're supervising, that you're doing all the things in order for the project to get done because if the project doesn't get done, then that's gonna be on me. I said, and further than that, this individual is not a person who really cares about you because he's trying to entertain a whole bunch of other women. And so you really want to be careful. She got mad. She went back and told him. And then later that day, he came into my workspace and he would begin to talk about in a loud roaring voice of all the things he was going to do to me because I was interfering in his business. He told me that I need to make sure that I keep his name out of his mouth. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little angry while I'm talking about it right now. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm transporting back to that, to that place. Amen. I could see him walking across the floor. And there was a big glass window in my office, and I got up from my chair because he was disrupting my workplace. All of the employees that I had began to turn around and look at him as opposed to doing their work. And as my emotions be able to get the best of me, I stood in the doorway and I could feel my hand balling up into a fist. And I began to verse in my mind about the first 10 punches that I would hit him with when he got close enough. And I began to rehearse in my mind the reasons why I would knock him out because he was in my department he wasn't supposed to be in my department. He had disrupted the work. He's disrupting all of the things that are going on. And I was giving myself reasons why I could unleash the anger that I felt for him coming into my department. But the Holy Spirit works in miraculous ways. And as I stood in the doorway and as he was coming into my direction... I could see the faces of the people that I had been sharing the gospel with, encouraging them to be more like Christ. And I felt something come over me and it said, don't do it. And I'm glad that at that point in my life, that the Holy Spirit had enough control in my life to number one, make me aware of it. And number two, that I could be obedient to it because I was ready to fight. And so I went back into my office, I closed the door, I picked up the phone, I called security and told him, you got to come get this person. See, sometimes God does things in a way that will help you. 
what I did was, after I got off the phone and they took him away, I went over and I walked into the president's office. And I said, listen, we got a problem. This gentleman came into my room and we're going to fight if he ever comes back in. And he said, listen, don't worry about it. We got it all taken care of. And so I left. What I didn't know was there were seven or eight other problems that this individual was having in the company, and they were just waiting for one more thing to happen so that they could get rid of him. In less than a month, he was gone. God has a way of doing things in your behalf when you're willing to walk with him, when you're willing to trust him in every area of your life. We've got to remember that there's some things that are essential in our lives to be able to help us grow and to understand. We have to understand clearly the basic tenets of the Word of God so that we can apply them to our everyday lives. It's important because when we look at this, spiritual maturity occurs when we're no longer infants, but we have become adults in Christ. We should be teaching others other than being taught by ourselves. We should have a firm enough foundation in the scriptures that we're no longer struggling with the basics. We understand clearly what God has called us to. We get to a place of maturity when we can self-evaluate instead of self-criticize. Instead of having a pity party and putting myself down, you realize where you're at walking with the Lord and you're going to keep working on it till God has you where you need to be. When you're mature, you seek unity instead of causing and promoting confusion. When you're mature, you desire spiritual challenges more than you desire entertainment and just feeling good. You're spiritually mature when you can reference the Bible for an issue in your life instead of following how you feel. We have to have an active faith rather than a passive faith. We have to have confidence more than we have fear. So Peter gives us the outline of what we need to do in order to stay on track and not drift. I'm glad that God has me at a place where I can grow again. A place where I can be stretched by the word of God. A place where I can apply what it is that I know. Sometimes I know it gets difficult when you are in the process of going. It doesn't always feel comfortable. As God stretches you, you can feel the stretching occur. You can feel the tension in your life. But God got a plan and a purpose for you. The Bible reminds us that we should never get tired of doing what's good. You'll notice there that the Bible doesn't say that we won't get tired. Oh, no, we'll get tired. Just don't get tired of doing what's right. And just at the right time, the Bible says you'll reap a harvest if you faint not. When we get tired, we got to continue to move forward and not drift. It's time to move forward, not go backwards. We can't drift among one another because then we'll be in the way of each other. We got to stay in formation and keep moving forward. God got some place for us to go. We've got to let God be true and every man a liar. God promises us a blessing if we don't give up. Situation might seem helpless in your life, but if you keep on pressing, God will take care of it for you. 
We might have a family member who's depending upon us to see Christ in our lives. We got to keep on moving forward. There's a coworker on our job who's looking to us for guidance and direction. We can't get tired and give up and just drift. We got to keep on moving ahead. There are other people in our neighborhoods who are looking to us as an example of how brothers and sisters in Christ can dwell together in unity, and we can't give up. I'm so glad that God has touched my life in a way that helps other people understand who God really is. God is the sustainer of my life. God is the keeper of my life. God is the provider of my life. God is the protector of my life that everything I need, I can find in my personal relationship with God, that everything I need, I don't have to step outside of God's guidelines. God has given me guidelines because he wants to bless my life. He wants to take care of my life. He wants my life to prosper and be a bright shining light so that other people can see that God is still good and that God is still in the blessing business. God will take care of any situation that you find yourself in. You just got to keep on trusting the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of his ways and he will direct your path. That's a promise of God. And sometimes in life, all you got is a promise. But if you got a promise in God, you got enough in order to be able to make it. You can depend on him. You can lean on him. You can trust him to be able to work out all the differences in your life. And you got to get to the place of being able to say, I know that God can do it. It doesn't matter if you don't have it figured out yet. You got to be able to say to yourself and have confidence that God will do it. In fact, sometimes in my life, I had to keep saying it over and over and over again till I got to the place of believing it myself, that God will make a way for you, that God can turn it around for you. I know that God will. You might not feel like he will, but you've got to convince yourself that God can, that he is able and he will do whatever is necessary to bring you through every situation that you find yourself. You've got to say, I know that he can. Yeah. I'm saying, say that and know that he can. Yeah. Oh, we got about five people over here who know. Amen. We're going to work on this side a little bit. You've got to say, I know that he can. Amen. And you've got to say on this side, I know that he can. You've got to say, I know that he will. I know that he will. Now, do you believe that? You got to keep on saying it until you get to the place of God giving you the victory. And when God does it, he does it sure enough right. When God does it, he can fix it up for you. When God does it, he'll give you a testimony that you can brag about how good God has been and how God brought you out and how God turned it around for you, and how God fixed it for you, and how God brought you out, that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, that you would not have made it this far in your life. We've come this far by faith, and our faith is in Jesus Christ, and he is the one who can bring you through. The dangers of drifting, don't drift. Keep working at it and God will bring you through. We want to take time today to prepare for our communion today. When we talk about not drifting, it's a commitment. It's something that you 
have to make up in your mind that you're going to continue to do regardless of what situation you find yourselves in. Jesus made a commitment to us by dying on the cross, shedding his blood for the remission of our sins. He committed ourselves to us. The Bible says that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that Christ died for us. That while we were yet sinners, he still went to the cross because he committed himself to us. We've got to take the time today for communion. It's a commitment back to God. And as we think about what God has done for us and the commitment that he's made, this gives us an opportunity for us to recommit to him all over again. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.